Hello and welcome back. This is episode 69 of Breakup Gaming Society. I am your host, and by far the most approachable of all the servants of His Holy Ordos, Inquisitor Cinnamon Apple Cheese Dick. I, I would just want to take a moment to thank listener Todd Scott, who, after hearing the sponsor jingle for Trap Queen Crab Remainders, who keeps, who you know, by the way, keep the lights on here. Um, what did he say? I'm looking at the comments. There's 16 seconds of my life I'll never get back. I know how you feel, Todd. But, you know, the payers, the say, are owned by... And I guess they're expanding their product line. They're not very good at communication. This, they sent me a, kind of half a sell sheet for a new line called Flavor Stomped. It's F-L-A-V-R-S-T-O-M-P-T. I guess it's going to be a new kind of extremely violently processed fish patty or meal of some kind. They got their tagline here. What is it? it says, from America's angriest fisherman to you. And then there's this illustration of a dude on the deck of uh, a fishing vessel. And the catch is being hauled up out of the water on one of those booms. You know, and the net's full of fish, and he's emptying a revolver into it. So that, that's as much as I know. But in the future, you can look forward to promotional spots for not only Trap Queen Crab Remainders, which, by the way, is guaranteed 85% ocean material, but also uh, flavor-stomped fish dinners. If you don't like the product, keep your mouth shut. It's as simple as that. Episode 69, what's going to happen? First of all, we're going to do a little dive into the notes I took after uh, trying some Yellowstone bourbon, which I liked very much. Game of the week. I'm going to tell you a little story. It's about Dominion, which we've talked, talked about here before. But it's also about what happens at a board game table when not everybody around the table is really in it for the same experience. It's one of those subtle things that can make or break a game night. And then lastly, you're going to uh, uh, spend a bit of time on the hip-hop segment because just recently I, re- I released on the blog at BreakupGamingSociety.com uh, 50 beautiful and painfully curated golden era hip-hop deep cuts along with a link to a, play- a playlist that you can throw on for your game night or for your party night or whatever. And uh, I, I plucked one of those off of that. We're going to talk about it a little bit. And I'm going to just... It's a lot of work writing, all, write, writing up little descriptions for all 50 and finding pictures and doing the playlist. I'm kind of proud of it. It sounds good. So that's what's going to happen. Here comes Drink of the Week. Nothing gets a drinker in quite as adventurous a spirit as knowing that they can try something new at a reduced financial risk which was the case the first time I ever bought a bottle of Yellowstone bourbon at Costco and walked out the store with it. I had almost everything else whiskey-like on the shelf, and I'd never seen the bottle before. And it was on par with uh, you know what I'm willing to spend for a bottle at Costco. So out the door with it, I went. What happened when I drank it? There were two sessions, or two bottles, rather, that I consumed over the summer. Uh, the first bottle went down in one or two sits and I didn't take any notes but you know that's sort of an endorsement because 
That was, you know, two or three sits, bottle drained. I didn't even put it on ice. I just poured it in a glass and drank it because I thought it was that tasty. <sighs> but I was sloppy in my note-taking. So I, months later, I went back and got a second uh, a bottle of Yellowstone. Now, second session has a little caveat, too. Uh, one, I started by mixing it. I had some uh, big cup, freshly made black brewed tea, nice and cold, from uh, Mutiny Information Cafe down on Main Street here in Trinidad. I just spiked that. It's an ounce or a half of the end. And I gotta tell you, I didn't even taste the whiskey. I just had a couple iced teas and, and felt lovely. But when I got home, I just poured it neat into a glass. Um, tried to cleanse my palate of the iced tea thing. It didn't work. But yeah, just just so you know, all the all these notes are coming off a couple taken with uh, black uh, black tea, cold. So here's a couple of notes I uh, I made about like what happened uh, when I drank it. Right at the front, I noted uh, ple- pleasantly, and this is not a a drawback, a, a sort of a piney burn. And then a, a, a very light, caramely back end. Then there are parts of it where I could sense a lot of complexity and really good balance, but I simply don't have the taster's vocabulary to describe um, everything I was experiencing. It was rich on the palate, but it wasn't heavy at all. Very nice. The um, you know the other thing, you know, it it didn't. Some bourbons are just too freaking sweet. But they, they engineered this extremely well. It was, the shit is butter. I'd buy it again uh, any day. If you do buy it, yeah, don't be in a hurry to bury that in some mixers. Like, I mean, it's just really just pleasure. Uh, end to end. It's everything pronounced without being unpleasant. And, of course, the absence of what I call syrup. You know, one time at a wedding... Drank a whole ton of Evan Williams. And I'm like, this stuff isn't so bad. And then I bought it again. And I was with other people. And I, 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 I didn't know whether to drink it or pour it on pancakes. So, you know, the sweet facets that sometimes make a mediocre bourbon undrinkable are, are entirely absent. Like I said, very light body. Delightful. Um, yeah. Don't be in a hurry to drown that in mixers. Try it neat. Holler at me. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you've been trying la- lately. Tell me to go pound sand. You know, then then the, there's a whole other bunch of variables here I can't account for. So I'm pretty sure I got COVID a few weeks ago. And I'm wondering what's even happened to my palate. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's some foods that taste absolutely normal, and then some that are just alien. So it probably makes me an even less discerning whiskey drinker than before. But it's not like I've had a drink in a while anyway. I'm trying to get better. But long story short, Yellowstone bourbon, fuck yeah, any day. I'll buy it again, and if you pour it for me, we're going to be friends. Game of the week coming up. So the Dominion deck building game has always been one of my favorites. And I realized that one of the reasons it was my favorites is because the people I was playing it with were sort of experiencing it and learning it in the same slow, highly garrulous, 
and incremental way that I was until Mike. Now, as you know, Dominion is the, the deck builder that spawned the deck building uh, genre in board games where you sort of customize your own hand that does certain things for you throughout the game based on an available supply. Nobody's hand or game works quite the same way because the choices you've made in taking the cards that you do um, are, are going to influence your strategy and your play. And people have taken it a ton of different ways since Donald X. Vaccarino first showed it to the world in 2008. But I was always just happy with my base game, the prosperity and the intrigue expansions. Between, between randomizing supplies from those three sets, it kept me and my remedial co-Dominion players relatively happy, but that was until Mike. Now, Mike, Mike was a cool dude. And uh, for a while, Gavin and Carlos used to come over at lunch sometimes. We'd play a few lunchtime hands, and they'd split. And then, you know, Mike came along too. We had our fun. It was our typical MO to uh, play a randomized set from a randomized supply of cards from those three boxes. It was fun because I would sort of learn and experiment and find out things between the first and second play. And so would Gavin and Carlos. And the games are usually pretty tight. On game two, somebody would figure something out and you'd have a seven-point swing that would crown a new winner and, and we'd redeal a new supply and go it again. And you know, Mike came over and unbeknownst to us, after kind of getting thumped, you know, during his first day learning. And Mike was a bartender. And I didn't realize it, but for nights after night after night after night, after that initial drubbing he got, he'd get off work, close the bar he was working at down, and he would go to one of the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, it was a website where all the hardcore Dominion players went. These are players who have very uh, well-defined and rigorous strategies. They produce spreadsheets on how to you know, optimize a buying curve on what to do and when. And you know they'll, they'll theorize opening sets of cards and say, you know, these are the first four cards you get if you don't want to lose this game and, and, and. It gets very competitive. And unbeknownst to us, Mike was just jumped right in this digital shark pit and got really good in a very short amount of time. And I'll never forget it. We were sitting there putting along. Now, a lot of people say Dominion is boring. You said it's like four-way solitaire. I'm like, yeah, that's true if you have boring friends. But we'd narrate the game. You know, you'd announce what you were buying, and somebody would say, oh, dear, you got the first gold. Oh, you're, you're going with that card, huh? Interesting. And we all sort of had a, a shared you know, running commentary on the game that it was very socially engaging, at least the way we played it, until Mike just showed up and thrashed us. I, I, didn't, I didn't know the game could do the things he was doing. I remember, like, by the late stage of the game, he was chaining out almost his entire hand on one turn. Us, you know, we'd play an action or two and have a little fun. And uh, he was running through his whole... By that time, our decks were, you know, uh, a couple dozen cards. He, 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 was, he was running. He was playing the whole deck. on one, You know, usually we just say, I've got this, i got a gold. Okay. 
He was like this, this, just he was chaining actions and snapping up cards with a very strategic way. And you know, you know the analogy I make? It's like, you know, imagine, you know, being in a small town where you've got a hardware store and you know you happen to know the two other guys in town who also have hardware stores. Maybe you're a little bit better at this. Maybe they're better at stock than that. People know to come to you for floor stuff, and maybe they go to Carlos's house, you know, store for paints. And, you know, there's some competition there. But, you know, nobody's going to, uh, you know, lose their bag. And then Walmart comes to town, and you're all off the table. And it was impressive, and I, I, I asked Mike, and he told me he'd, he'd been camping on, camping on this website and getting really good at this game. And as the summer, you know, went by, and this little lunch group kept playing, nobody could, nobody could even come close to him. And I started to, started to see, you know, what I'd have to do and how I, how I would have to look at this game in order just not to have get the floor mopped in order not to be used as a, a mop. I don't know why that phrase is evading me. I'm fucking tired. In either case, yeah, and, and I, I think there was something in week three or four where I, to see the speed at which uh, Mike's strategy was accelerating the game and making every turn you know, more ruthless, less experimentational, ex- less experimentational, and more, you know, rigidly uh, analytical and ruthlessly focused on efficiency. I once figured out this this strategy where I calculated if I could eliminate a, like a certain supply at the three-quarter mark, a certain supply of cards, and trigger a game end, I was roughing it in my head that I'd have him beat by two to four points. But it was a strategy I never use. And it was kind of perverse, and it evolved this midpoint thing where I was pitching cards out of my hand and trying to end the game in time before I pitched too many of the properties but still be ahead of him. And it worked. I, I, think, I, beat, I think I beat Mike by two points. I think that was the only win anybody took from him like the whole summer. Now, was that satisfying? Yeah. To know that when called upon, I could, I could put my... Uh, armor on and fight at the level Mike was fighting on. Was it fun? Nah. I wanted my old sort of a lightly competitive fun and hey, let's try a little of this and a little of that and we all land within 15 points of each other. That was, it was more fun. And Mike did nothing wrong. Mike was a cool dude. We liked have him, having him around but the whole, the, the whole game changed. You either had to play at the scale and speed that he, he was or you would just never be in the game again you know this, this happens a lot with game groups there are usually a couple people who are not highly competitive at the table sometimes they just sort of drift around the board they like the game but they're not super focused on winning They like I think they like the flow of the play they like the socialization and but they're not going to study intensely. And they don't have cutthroat natures. And if you have a couple of those and you know, maybe an intermediate player and then somebody sitting at that table whose night will be ruined if they don't freaking win, 
you're going to get some mismatches about whether or not anyone thinks that's a good game night. These little social uh, puzzles could be very telling. People aren't, if people at the, at the table have different ideas of how the game should be enjoyed, it can, it can, it can ruin it. Now, I like to win. I don't try to lose. I like to improve. If I get thumped badly at a game, I'll think about what I'm doing and try to come back with something better the next time. But if I you know, make, consistently make a de- decent showing and everybody played fair, you know, I'll be the first to congratulate you on your win. But, man, when a certain uh, yeah, style of play puts you out of the running unless in, uh, adopted, it's like, hmm, I don't know if I want to be that to win. Nonetheless, it was instructive, and you might want to think about it if you've ever had nights that don't quite go right because you know somebody's being a, a rules lawyer when in fact you know, you know they're just looking for every single advantage they can get, and that may or may not be one of your motivations or your objectives or your requirements when you get a game group together. You hear the stories a lot. It's the personalities at the table that are really going to decide how, how that experience is. We're going to do track of the week coming up. So in my world, I have a a post that's doing big numbers. And by big numbers, I mean the best page I've published all year. Uh, In honor of hip hop's 50th birthday, I kind of cannibalized some older abandoned list making projects and, and just Ran it all down to 50 write-ups from stuff mostly recorded between about 87 and 94 that I just keep listening to again and again. And they're deep cuts. These are off albums a lot of people know. But I gravitate to songs that are different than the favorites everybody talks about or again and again. And some of them are new tracks or stuff that I only half remembered hearing 25 years ago that some list maker put me onto and I listened to it again. I'm like, oh my God, that's good. And from last time I looked, some of y'all are coming over to the blog at Breakout Gaming Society and spending an average of 13 minutes with this page, which is really what I'm in this for. I mean, it's just words on a page. for 13 minutes, I'll take that. It means people want to read about the music, which is, again, half the reason I turned this mic on. So thank you. Today we're going to focus on number 39 of my list. Again, at Breakup Gaming Society, on, uh, I made a YouTube playlist where you can play all the tracks and you can read about them all on my blog. We're going to talk about a track called The Whole Kit and Caboodle by Madcap. I'm just going to read you the write-up. Why, why, why should I wing it when I actually wrote this up? Here's the the write-up. Up-tempo, ludic, and highly finessed track that captures so much of what made this era of hip-hop simultaneously accessible and full of surprises. The builds, drums, and sample switch-ups at key transitions are pleasant shocks, and the whole thing, down to the mood projected by the MCs, is just so dang self-assured and disarming. Magic. But that's me. I'm going to play you the... uh, the, the, the build-up and the way the first chorus drops. You can tell me if it doesn't get your nose open. 
This one's for the gods, the thugs, the niggas selling dubs. Never hold a grudge, but I hate the marble fudge. But not props, got to get them. Stick up, ha ha ha, stick up. Victims, rip bumps, stitches can't stitch up. Bring your dictionary and you still can't get none. Run for couple, call your sisters and your brothers. I'm madder than the others. This is one of those tracks that's extremely rewarding on a second, third, fourth, or fifth listen because it's incredibly well-constructed. I mean, first of all, let's talk about the spirit of the gentleman on the, the microphone. This was one of those artifacts before the figurative violence of beating other MCs. Got the line blurred between actual violence, I'm a kingpin and I'll kill you, but I'm really just rhyming. There was rhymes like this, three, four, five-man crews with lots of call and response and lots of stuff done just to keep the tempo and keep the party going. You know, what does what what does dude say in the first verse? Damn, I hold a grudge, but I hate the marble fudge. That's just old school MCing right there on a, on a different tempo. But some of the things I'm noticing as I pick the track apart, just it's a densely packed toy box. As you look at it, it just gets better and better. And you know, one of the things they do here is there's sort of a two-stage chorus. Um, the drums change up a little bit. Then you'll hear very mixed, put far back in the mix, but just there to give it a little shove of energy. You'll hear just sounds pop in and out. Sometimes muffled gunshots. Sometimes a little accent scratch. Then what's this? Here, for a couple seconds, there's a sound of something like an air turbine turbine winding down, like off, off the wing of a jet plane. And then it takes all this energy, this sculpted hyperactivity, and throws it into an instrumental chorus where a bunch of stuff happens. You know, a string trill starts up. Then, you know, after a couple of measures... You'll hear the strata of an urgent whispered chant arises. You'll also hear a pitter-pat clap track come in on the verse, and then during the chorus, way back there, I finally heard it. They snip a little bit of the different clap track, which is unmistakably a hard, hard snap, crackle, and pop of uh, the, the clap track from Run DMC's Sucker MC's which gets sampled a lot because it was a game changer and it was hard and loud. Check out a couple seconds of what they're doing here. I get this, but you can kiss my ass where the sun don't shine. I'm short one bar, so I add another line. I got a hunch that the mad cat punch is the dope issue of the month, so eat it up like a hot wing lunch. Because the poop is in the pudding and the lyrics kind of deep. Please don't sleep, pump it in your jeep. Goddamn, where the fuck they loot that shit from? The dirty ass breaks from the crates for the drums. A groovy cheek for your sweeter mids, and your whiffle blowing up like a motherfucker. But on the real, with the hip hop feel, had to appeal, cause we got the shady deal. Oh, please, oh, please, oh, please, just give me this one.
I reckon cassettes, the whole kit and caboodle. Some wits, knick knack, a noodle, and try to flap doodle. Flip flam, slam a damn and flip the letters. Easy golly, G's be a cheesy yes and cheddar. When they come to rhyme, I lose the simple That's it. That's the end of episode 69 of Breakup Gaming Society. Sure appreciate you uh, hanging out with me, hearing my various thoughts on play in, in several forms. Part-time alcoholism as play, play as play, and uh, discovering new songs as a form of play in itself. I'm going to leave you with just one of more of my favorite producer tricks they do, which is after the dude at the mix board has delighted you with a bag of sonic tricks. They remind you of how lush it was by simply snipping the whole thing uh, quiet with the exception of the drums and let, let the MCs wind down. That seems like a good way to finish. Here it comes. I have been your host and friend, Inquisitor Cinnamon Apple Cheese Dick, saying, may you fight long and well. I'm gonna be the last guy, but I'm still hooking